0: Welcome everybody to another great podcast from the Crystal River Church of God. Whether you're on your way to work, on your lunch break, or even taking a jog, our prayer for you is that this helps you to find Focus for Living. We truly hope you enjoy this message live from CRCOG. Well, I tell you what, I just want to just enjoy the presence of the Lord with you today and dive right into a message that the Lord has laid on my heart. I want to do my best to speak to this occasion, but at the same time, I want to speak something that I believe will be encouraging to you. So if you have your Bible today, reach for it while I reach for my Walgreens readers here so I can see what I'm reading. And let's look in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's look at something here that the Apostle Paul says. That will help me launch into what I really want to talk about today. 2 Corinthians 4, let's just lift verse number 18 is the only verse I want to use. And Paul says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal or temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. The things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I want to talk to you about your pastor today. I want to talk to you about you today as the people of God and who we should be and what we should be doing in this walk with Christ. We should be people of the big picture. People who live by the principles of the big picture. Big picture people living by big picture principles. Now say that three times real fast and see how you do. Father, I pray for the next few moments that you will enable me to just share my heart, what you put in my spirit for this great congregation today. Lord, I do come to celebrate this wonderful pastoral team, but I also come to impart a word of truth to these wonderful people who have come here today. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. 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 There's a story that comes out of 16th century England when a fire swept through London and destroyed much and most of that beautiful city. Resulting in devastation and loss, and amongst the devastation and loss, Hundreds and hundreds of churches and temples were destroyed. The Queen of England called upon an individual by the name of Sir Christopher Wren specifically to help rebuild those churches and those temples. He was solely responsible for serving as the architect to rebuild 54 churches and temples in the city of London. And you consider what a feat that must have been, especially in those days and times. But among his chief responsibilities was to serve as the architect, draw the plans, and then oversee the building of St. Paul's Cathedral. The story is told that he disguised himself one day and he went to the rock quarry because he wanted to see how the work was coming. So he got to the rock quarry, and he began to move through and visit with the workers. And one at a time, he would interview them, talk to them, ask them simple questions, and then move on to the next one. He came to one individual, and he said, what may I ask are you doing this morning? And the first individual said, I'm cutting a stone. He walked on a little further, and he came to the second individual, and he said, may I ask what you're doing today? The second individual said, I'm cutting a stone that will fit into a wall, making sure that it's precise on all sides and smooth so it will fit perfectly into the wall. He came to the third individual and asked the third individual this question, what may I ask are you doing today in your labor and in your work? The third individual said, I am helping Sir Christopher Wren and the Queen of England build a beautiful cathedral to the glory of God. And that's an example of an individual who had the big picture in mind. And when I think of this pastor and Sister Sherry today, and when I think of this great church that God has allowed to flourish over these last many years, and especially through a year like we've just been through, I come to understand that it happens because this man can see beyond the nose on his face. And this congregation can see beyond a day and you can see beyond two days or a week. You're able to envision what God has commissioned you to do and you see it over a long expanse of time. Somewhere along the way, God put something in the heart of this pastor and his wife, and they knew that the vision that God had given them would not be accomplished in a day, it would not be accomplished in a year, but here they are year after year, season after season, still flourishing in the divine, powerful will of an awesome, almighty God. They didn't quit when many would have quit. They didn't give up when others would have given up. They didn't throw in the towel, as some would say, when others would have thrown in the towel and said, what's the use? But they stood here year after year faithfully preaching and discharging the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to a congregation who believes in this community and you believe in this region and you're willing to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the hurting and the hopeless and the helpless and point them to the one who has the answer and the answer is Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. You are people of the big picture. And people of the big picture live by big picture principles. And that's what I want to talk about today. And those principles are seen in another of Paul's writings, this time in the book of Philippians chapter 3. And I love this passage. Where Paul says, beginning with verse number 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Let me just give commentary right there. When I hear Paul use those words that I may know him, he's talking about more than just mere acquaintance. He's talking about more than just a distance relationship with God or with Christ. When he uses the word know, he's actually using a word that denotes intimacy there. And it really means to have a confrontation or to come in connection with someone. And when Paul says that I may know him, He's talking about a relationship that is so deep with the Lord Jesus Christ that I can almost hear him say, here's how far I want it to go. I want to know him so well that I'm able to say I'm crucified with him. And by being crucified with him, I come to understand that it's not me who is living, but it is Christ in me, the hope of glory. I want to know him so well that when people see me, they see Jesus. When people hear me speak, they, it's as if they hear Jesus speak because I am in tandem with him. When they see me, they think of him. Or if they think of him, they see me because my life is the Christ life. And I'm walking out by example everything that he exemplifies. I want to know him. And then look at the levels of which he expresses that. He says, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. When it can't get any stronger, when it can't get any better, when it can't become more thrilling. But swing that pendulum to the far other end, I even want to know him in the fellowship, the kolonia, the brotherhood of his suffering. If tears are involved, if weeping is involved, and in Paul's case, if martyrdom is involved, he said, I even want to know him. I won't forsake him in those occasions because he won't forsake me. He said, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. And then listen to this line, and then be made conformable unto his death. What in the world does that mean? Being made conformable unto his death. One writer that I read after put it this way. He said he believed what Paul was saying is that he wants to walk out in shoe leather what we see Jesus displaying on the cross of Calvary. I want you to see in my life what you see in his death as he hangs on the cross. What was that? Total abandon, obedience, love, sacrifice. Paul said, I want to walk that out in front of you. And then Paul makes this quick admission. He said, I'm not there yet. Oh, I haven't attained that yet. I haven't achieved that yet, but I'm I'm pursuing that. I'm following after him that that I may apprehend that for which also I was apprehended. I'm chasing God. I'm playing tag with deity. I want to get so close to him that that he can slap me on the shoulder and say, Tag, Paul, you're it. Now chase me. And Paul says, I'm going to run after him and chase him and, and just continually Be in pursuit of God and his power and his glory in my life. But he says, I must admit to you, I'm not there yet. But then he lays out three powerful principles of someone who has the big picture in mind. He says, this one thing I do. Forgetting the things which are behind and reaching forth into the things which are before, I press toward the mark, the prize, the call of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now there are three principles contained in what he just said. Number one, there is the principle of concentration. This one thing I do. Not two, not three, not a half dozen, not 25. Paul said, I'm going to give myself to doing one thing. Primarily, I just want to please the Lord. Because here's the deal, folks. You can knock yourself out, wear yourself down, drive yourself crazy trying to please everybody else. But if you don't please Jesus, it don't matter who you do please. Paul said, I want to please Jesus. So this one thing I do, I'm going to live by the principle of concentration. I'm going to bear down on one main goal in my life, one main theme of my life. My purpose statement of life is I want to please Jesus Christ. One thing. David put it this way, he said, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after all the days of my life, that I may dwell in his tabernacles forever. Jesus himself put it this way, he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you. One thing, I was reading in the book of Revelation chapters 2 and chapter 3 the other day, and I was reading where Jesus spoke to the seven churches of Asia Minor. He started with the church of Ephesus and ended with the church of Laodicea. And to the church of Ephesus, he said, You're doing so many wonderful things, and I love you for it. You're feeding the hungry. You're clothing the naked. You're giving ministry to the poor. But he said, I have one thing against you. Now, how many know you're in trouble when the Lord says, I have one thing against you? And that list of great things is long and it's wonderful, but he ends it with saying, I have one thing against you. And listen to what that one thing was. He said, of your own choice, of your own free will, of your own volition, you have left your first love. Notice what he said and what he didn't say. He did not say, you don't love me at all. What he said was, you don't love me like you used to. And I wonder if on a Sunday morning, on a pastor appreciation day, If we all take inventory, can we ask ourselves this question? Do I still love Jesus as much as I did yesterday? Do I still love Jesus as much as I did 10 years ago when he pulled me out of the gutter and he washed my sins away and he set my feet on a solid foundation? Do I still love him that way? The principle of the big picture people that I'm talking about today, it all begins with focus, a laser beam focus that says one thing, one thing. But then Paul said, there's a second principle here. I'm not only going to live by the principle of concentration, I'm going to live by the principle of cancellation. Somebody say cancellation. We see it in what he says next. He says, one thing I do, putting the past behind me. This one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind. That's the principle of cancellation. Now listen. In these days and times more than ever before, we have to employ the principle of cancellation. I'm reminded that uh, 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 the young people won't catch this. They they don't have any concept of this. but, But I'm reminded of the days of that old rubber stamp. Remember the old rubber stamps? Sometimes they'd have your name carved in them and you just dip it into an ink blotter and just stamp your name on something or whatever the case may be. you just stamp. I'm reminded of those things. And, and, and what I wished we had sometime was a big glorified rubber stamp that had the word canceled marked in it. And regularly we dab it and dip it in the wonderful precious blood of Jesus. I'm going to preach here in a minute. And we lay out every contract of offense. With all the fine print and all the signatures of everybody that ever said something that hurt our feelings and something that caused us to weep and something that caused us to be bruised on the inside and who knows, maybe on the outside. But we take that big glorified rubber stamp that has the word canceled on it and we dip it in the blood of Jesus and on that contract of offense, we just put it right there hard and heavy, canceled. Canceled because I ain't going to lose my joy. I ain't going to lose my song. I ain't going to go to hell over this thing. I'm just going to mark it with the word canceled and put it behind me that I may win Christ. Yeah. Ah, Yeah, it's easy for you to say, but you don't know what he said about me. I don't, but you got to cancel it. And you don't know what she did to me. You're exactly right, but you got to cancel it. And you don't know what that last church did to me that I used to attend. I get all that, but you've got to cancel it and get your harp out of the willow tree and put it all beneath the blood of Jesus Christ and understand there's nothing worth losing your song over. Cancel it! I wish somebody would shout that word. Cancel it! (laughs) I'm going to jump this stage and run these aisles. And I'm about to turn 61. I'm too old to do stuff like that now. (laughs) Let me tell you what happened to me some time ago. Now, don't count this against my preaching time. I'm just telling a story right now. I'll let you know when I start preaching again. Someone over me in the Lord one time called me down to his office. He said, uh, Tim, tomorrow, I had, no, I had no advance warning. He just looked at me. He said, tomorrow I need you to get on an airplane and I need you to go to this country. And He named this faraway country. And I need you to get up on behalf of the Church of God Executive Committee and I need you to make this announcement and I hope you get back alive. I said, well, thank you very much. <laughs> now, let, let me just take a moment to explain something to you. When, when you're on the Church of God Executive Committee, like I am now, You work by what is known as portfolio. That means that the general overseer says to the first assistant general overseer, this is your portfolio or your list of responsibilities, and it might be over education or it might be over world evangelization or whatever. And what he told me to get on that plane and go do was not in my portfolio. Another man had that responsibility. And with a smile on my face, I reminded him of that. And with with tenderness. I said to him, this is not my responsibility. That belongs to Dr. So-and-so. He looked back at me and said, yeah, I know all that, but you've got the drive. You've got the energy. You've got the personality. You can get up and make it happen. And again, he said, I hope you get back alive. (laughs) Now, here's what he never knew. I walked out of his office that day. I was mad. I was sad. I was bad. I was everything that rhyme with mad, sad, and bad, except Glad. I mean it got on me and it angered me because I felt like he, he had drawn a target between my shoulder blades and he was setting me up for failure and all that stuff got on me. But the next morning I pushed myself out of my house at 4.30, called a commuter flight in Chattanooga to go to Atlanta to get on his plane to go several hours to another country and get up and make this announcement that was not popular and he knew it wouldn't be popular and he didn't want to do it. That's why he sent me to do it. Hallelujah. I'm getting therapy even as I tell this story. <laughs> well, all the way to Chattanooga, I'm just fussing to myself. I'm driving myself to the, to the airport. Nobody with me. I'm just fussing to myself about this assignment. By the time I get to Atlanta, it has gone from fussing to myself into a bad spirit that's got on me. And I recognized it and I caught it and and I'm, I'm walking through Terminal A on the way down to that international terminal, and, and I just stopped. By this time, it's about 6.30 in the morning. I said, Lord, please, I, I don't want to be like this. I don't want to have this feeling against my brother that's over me right now. And the Lord, I said, please, please help me not to possess a bad spirit over this assignment. And then I remember saying, I said, I, isn't there anything you can do right now to help me get out of this? And so help me at that moment, I realized I was walking by the food court. I said, there it is right there. There's my answer. A good breakfast. (laughs) You're looking at a man who would rather have breakfast than a T-bone steak. As a matter of fact, I actually believe that the marriage supper of the Lamb is a midnight breakfast buffet. (laughs) Let me describe it to you. I can't find it in the Bible, but let me describe it to you. I believe two fried eggs over easy. Salt and pepper those babies down. Summer tomatoes. Oh, I love summer tomatoes. Then put some gravy on it. Cat head biscuits. You know what I'm talking about when I say biscuits? Now, when I travel abroad and I say biscuits, they bring out these little cookies. That ain't what I'm talking about. No, I'm talking about these big fluffy. As th- matter of fact, I just saw one float through the air right there. And I just- My Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I think that's the Holy Ghost I'm feeling. That's what I had in mind, but that's not what I found in that food court. I wound up with the sorriest bowl of cornflakes I ever tried to eat in all my life. No fried eggs, no fried bacon, nothing. Just sorry cornflakes. I did find a biscuit, however. And it looked pretty good through the steamed glass. So I got it, put it on my plate, went to my table, didn't understand till I got to my table that it was burned black on the bottom. And it was hard as a rock. I knocked it against the table. It didn't flake. It didn't crumble. And I got mad all over again. (laughs) So help me. I raised that biscuit up, and I started talking to my biscuit. (laughs) Hundreds of people milling around about me in that food court, but I'm sitting there at my table talking to a biscuit. And I transferred every other member of the Church of God executive committee into that biscuit. (laughs) One face at a time, one name at a time, and I said, You should have done it. It was in your portfolio. And I baptized him in 2% milk. I raised it up, put another name and face on it. I said, You should have done it. You're Mr. Suave and Debonair, never a hair out of place. You don't even sweat when you preach. And I baptized him. One at a time, I baptized every member of the Church of God committee in a bowl of cereal, having myself a mad fit. It helps me to talk about it. But suddenly, I heard somebody singing in that food court. Above all the noise and the chatter, I heard somebody singing. And here was the song. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? His eyes on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. I pushed myself back. I said, what idiot is singing that song? I don't want to hear that. I don't even want to see a Christian today. I, I don't want to. I'm mad. I want to waller in my madness for a while. And the longer I looked, I pierced through that big crowd in that food court, and I saw a man on the other side of that food court. He had a dish towel in his hand, and he was busing off a table where somebody had sat down and made a mess and he would clean it up and somebody else would sit down and do that again and he would clean it up and he would do that all morning but he had the joy of the Lord in his soul. And I'm telling you, the Lord took me to the woodshed. Anybody remember the woodshed? And I'm sitting right there and he's he's telling me off. I mean, the Lord is telling me off. He's not talking very gentle to me that morning. He's just telling me off. He said, why can't you be like him? He got up earlier than you did today to come down here and go through security and work this job and make ends meet for he and his little wife somewhere. Just get up and go do what you were told to do. It's not wrong. It's not sinful. Sure, it's hard, but you can do it, and I'm going to help you. And I said, Lord, you're right. You are so right. And I got up from that table and I grab my bag and I'm still talking to the Lord. I said, when I get back to Cleveland, Tennessee, I'm going to go to Dr. McGraw. Oh, I almost said his name right there. I'm going to go to his office and I'm going to apologize to him and he don't even know I'm mad. And I'm halfway to the terminal to get on that plane and the Holy Ghost stops me and says, I'm not finished with you. I said, you not? He said, no. He said, get back to that food court. So I just turned around. I'm following the leading of the Lord. I'm going back to that food court. And on my way to the food court, the Lord said, reach into your pocket. And the first bill your hands touch, pull it out and give it to that old fellow for blessing you today. Now listen, I already knew what I had in my pocket. I didn't have to go feeling for it. I already knew what I had. I had a five and a 20 and a $100 bill in my pocket. And I'm reaching into my pocket that whole time saying, Come on, five, come on, five. I pulled it out, looked at it. It wasn't the five, it wasn't the 20, it was the $100 bill. I stormed across that food court. I said, Hey man, hold your hand out. He did, and I slapped it in his hand. He said, What's that? I said, Don't ask. I grabbed my bag, went down to gate eighteen, and all the way down there I heard him sing, I sing because I'm happy. Well he should have been happy. He had a hundred dollars out of my pocket. But i tell you what he did for me. He helped me cancel that spirit and cancel that attitude. And that's why I'm here today. I didn't just come by to say congratulations to you. I didn't just come by to say happy anniversary. I came by to tell somebody, cancel it. Put it under the blood of Jesus and keep your joy in the Holy Ghost. My God, I feel him here right now. Don't let it tear you down. Cancel it and put it under the blood. Lean over and ask somebody, where'd they find that old man today from Tennessee? Cancel it. You see, that's what big picture people do. Because I promise you in 27 years, you had to cancel something. I'm about to put on my mask get out in that center aisle right there. See, you don't pastor a church of any kind for 27 years and everything be rosy and everything be perfect, wonderful. Somewhere along the way, this man and this woman had to say, I choose to put it behind me that I may win Christ and pursue the big picture that God has for this community. You don't come here with 40 people. Come to a day where you have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people without living by the principle of concentration and cancellation, but also the third one, and I'll finish with this. You've got to live by the principle of continuation. Continuation. I should have had all this on PowerPoint today. I hope it's points with power. But we live by the principle of continuation. Paul said, this one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind. Here it is. I press toward. I press toward. I may not be going far. And I may not be going fast. But I am going forward. One step. One inch. One decision at a time. I'm going forward. Because here's what I know. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. I'm living by the principle of continuation because here's what I know. Here's what I know. I'm troubled on every side, yet not distressed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not forsaken, cast down but never destroyed. I'm going to live by the principle of continuation because here's what I know. There is no weapon formed against me that can prosper. When I walk through the fire, the flame will not kindle upon me. Through the waters, the river shall not overflow me. I'm going to live by the principle of continuation because here's what I know. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemy. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell. I shall dwell. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm not quitting. I'm not I'm not giving up I'm not stopping I'm living by the principle of continuation Hallelujah. Hallelujah. shake somebody and say he's preaching to you right now right. well we got a second service what time am I supposed to be finished here Yeah, you can't quit. COVID nineteen and everything else going on. You can't quit. You know, this brother over here that now lives in Beaumont. Man, what a what an incredible talent you are! What a gift God's given you. Are you a songwriter? I used to be. I used to write songs a lot. But I hit what's called writer's block. You ever heard of writer's block? Writer's block is when you just, you can't think of anything. You're not inspired by anything. All my songwriting just kind of went away until recently. I was riding along one day. Listen, folks, I just got real relaxed. This this may take me a while. I was riding along one day, brother, and I got to thinking about the goodness of God and all this. I mean, God's still faithful. He hasn't changed. He's still on his throne. And I'm just riding through the country one day just thinking about the goodness of the Lord, and I just started making up a song. Before I knew it, I had me a song. I'm telling you, it is a song. I can almost see it on the screen right now. Oh, you're going to hear it. I wouldn't have brought it up. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is going to sweep the nation. Hillsong. I don't even know who the hot ones are now. Hillsong. Who else sings big songs? Elevate. See, I'm not into that. I've heard of them, but yeah, Elevate. Yeah, let's let them have it too. Who? Jason. Oh, yeah. You know, I'll tell you a funny story. I sang what I'm about to sing to you the other night in a concert with Jason. He got up right behind me and kept on singing it. That's how good it is. It's on a video. I can show it to you. You want to hear it? I'm talking now about the principle of continuation. So here's my song. Give me a little drink of water because I don't want to waste the opportunity. <clears throat> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Somebody's heard it before. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. How you like it so far? Hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. on. See, that's a sign of a good song when people start singing along. Get up here and give me a key of F. I think I think you can play it now that I've sang it through. It sorta reminds me of Amazing Grace, if that'll help you. Let me hear it. Let me hear an F key there. Second verse goes like this He will come through. He will come through. He will come through. Hold on. He will come through. He will come through he will come through. Now it's not a good southern gospel song unless it modulates to the next key. Take it up to G. Third verse goes like this. I've come too far to turn back now. I've come too far. Hold on. I've come too far. To turn back now, I've come too far. See, big picture people, that's what you are. You live by big picture principles that says, hold on, hold on. Won't always be a coronavirus floating around here won't always be a crazy political season. This will all fade away. Paul said we see in the natural things that are temporary. It's all temporary. But spiritual eyes see with eternal sight things that are forever. Stand with me please. So you've got a big picture pastor. And the pastor has a big picture congregation. And there's a more legitimate song that I want to end on and then I'm going to sit down. And it goes like this. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. has brought me safe thus far and grace will lead me on. Now, Father, as I take my seat, I just want to ask you to help somebody today. Whoever that somebody is, a woman, a man, a young person, that's been on the edge of giving up, the verge of quitting. Show them the big picture again, Lord. Lord, that young couple that's been discouraged over some recent circumstances that they've been going through, show them the big picture of what a married life can really be when Jesus is at the center. That businessman, that businesswoman that's Been ready recently to just give it all up because of difficult times. Show them again the big picture of what life can be with Jesus at the helm. Lord, any individual here today that's never called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, never called on the Lord as their Redeemer and their Savior, Help them Lord to see an eternal perspective today of what life is with Jesus in control Holy Ghost I feel you here right now I feel you here right now oh lift your hands and give him praise somebody the Lord's in the house the Lord's in the house healing and blessing and strengthening and encompassing you with his grace and his glory I want to pray one more prayer. Now listen, you don't have to come up here and I'm not going to call you up here today. But if you're standing here right now and you would say, Preacher, I sense the Holy Spirit here and I need His help with my life this week. I can't wait till next Sunday. I've got to have the Lord's help this week. I want to pray especially for you. I'm going to stand here. You're going to stay right where you are. I'll never come down there. But you want this special prayer. Lift your hand. Let me see it. There they are. There they are all over this house. Father, every hand that is raised is connected to a need. Every hand that is lifted right now is connected to possibly a crisis moment in their life. I pray, Holy Ghost, that you will walk these aisles. and You will wrap your arms around these people. Father, I pray that there will be marriages restored and homes that will be strengthened, businesses that will be resurrected. Hearts that will be cleansed. Bodies that will be healed. Diagnoses that will be turned around in the name of Jesus for the glory of God. Father, I ask you to do it now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let the church say amen. Praise God. Thank you again for listening to this message. We pray that it has inspired you like never before. For more information about Crystal River Church of God, how to give, or even our upcoming events, be sure to check us out at crystalrivercog.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast. And we will see you next week here at CRCOG.